Welcome to Still Pretty, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast from Chipperish Media. I'm film scholar and indoor kitty now, Noelle LaCroix. And I'm story expert and angry puppy, Lonnie Diane Rich. And we are here today to talk about The Harsh Light of Day, the third episode of season four. The Harsh Light of Day aired on October 19th, 1999, and was written by Jane Espenson and directed by James A. Contner. And James Mercers is back Yay! as Spike, and yet somehow completely upstaged by Mercers. Oh my god, Vampire Harmony is the best and we will be talking about all the ways in which she is the best because this is a fully spoiled Buffy podcast in which we will talk about anything that has happened in the last, you know, 20 years since this has aired. So just prepare yourself. (laughs) Guess what? I've got a boyfriend too and he's going to be mad you were mean to me. All right, let's go on patrol. In the harsh light of day, Buffy is with Willow at the bronze while Dingo's Ate My Baby are playing, and she's pining over stupid Parker Abrams, who she's been apparently spending all of her time with this week, despite the fact that he's clearly full of trash garbage, but whatever. After Oz's gig, Willow is outside helping load the van when Harmony approaches, vamps out, and bites her. Oz comes out and rescues Willow with a cross, and that's all cool and everything. But oh my god, Vampire Harmony is the best! Okay, fine. Hide behind your boyfriend. But guess what? I have a boyfriend too, and he's gonna be mad that you were mean to me. Parker and Buffy walk through town and talk, and he's playing this super rehearsed, unassuming and charming act, and OMG, Buffy, you can spot a vampire at 50 paces, but you can't smell douche on this guy, and whatever. It's fine. (laughs) It's fine. Giles and Xander are working on Giles' library when Anya shows up to ask Xander where their relationship is headed. Because, you know, they went to prom. At Buffy's dorm room door, Parker is about to kiss her when Willow and Oz tell her that Harmony is back and she's a vampire. And she has a boyfriend. How's my little blondie bear? Spike's back, Spike's back, Spike's back. Parker takes Buffy to a college party and they bump into Spike and Harmony dragging a victim out. Spike throws the victim at her and runs, but Buffy follows him out and they fight. For reasons, he just decides to leave and Buffy just decides to let him, but not before Harmony tells Buffy what Spike is in Sunnydale to find, the gem of Amara. Buffy calls Giles. The gem of Amara, are you sure? Yeah, what's up? Oh, uh, it's, it's, it's just, it's, um, it's not real. It's like the, uh, the vampire equivalent of the, uh, the Holy Grail, a you know, source of some Enormous power was conveniently vague. Anya goes to Xander's basement and drops her dress, explaining to him that she needs to sleep with him in order to get over him. It's a workable plan. They have sex. Buffy goes back to the party and falls for Parker's fake bullshit, and they go back to his apartment and have sex. Buffy wakes up the next morning and Parker isn't there, but it turns out he just went out for coffee and didn't turn evil. So, whew! Buffy heads back to her room where Giles is waiting with news. Can we discuss the impending disaster? Giles found something. A text. It refers to the Gem of Amara as residing in the Valley of the Sun. Demon fancy talk for Sunnydale. It seems that Spike may know what it's about, that the gem may exist after all, in Sunnydale in a sealed underground crypt. As soon as Giles leaves, Willow wants the deets from Buffy. Buffy's excited and says that Parker's going to call. Of course he's going to call. He'll totally call. But as Buffy spends the day looking for Harmony and Spike, she checks her messages and nothing. Because of course nothing. Because Parker. 
Meanwhile, Spike breaks into the crypt with Harmony, who talks incessantly while taking a ring from a dead body and putting it on. Spike can't take her jabbering anymore, and he stakes her. But when she heals instantly, he realizes she has found his gem. What are you doing, you big freak? That's my gem. Spike takes the ring from Harmony and goes outside to play. Buffy bumps into Parker while he's working another girl on campus, and she talks to him. He acts like he didn't lead her on to think that their night together was more than just him trolling for sex and makes her think that it's her fault that she didn't understand something that he never stated outright but somehow thought was very clear and gets her to apologize to him. Parker blows her off and then Spike shows up. Well, that was pathetic. Buffy and Spike fight in the sun, and she stakes him, but it doesn't do anything to him. Meanwhile, the Scoobies figure out where the crypt is and find Harmony there crying over Spike. She runs off, and the Scoobies go to find Buffy. While Xander is looking for Buffy at her dorm, Anya approaches trying to talk about their night together, but Xander doesn't have time for her. Back on campus, Spike taunts Buffy about Parker and Angel, and that makes her mad enough to get the best of him, grabbing his hand and reaching to take off his ring. Take it off me this way. We both burn. Really? Let's see. Buffy takes the ring and Spike starts to smoke, then runs off and dives into a sewer. Back at Giles's, the Scoobies have a meeting about the gem, and Buffy decides that Angel should have the ring. Oz has a gig in Los Angeles, and he offers to deliver it. Later, Buffy and Willow are talking about Parker and what a poop head he was. But Buffy still isn't sure. Maybe Parker and I could still work it out. Do you, you think that we could still work it out? I think you're missing something about the whole poop head principle. Buffy decides to walk by herself for a while. As she does, we see a sad Anya also walking alone on campus, followed by a shot of sad harmony. All right, Noel. Okay, harsh light of day. This is season four. This is Spike's return. This is where we begin the best arc in all of Buffy. I'm sorry, I'm going to say it. Best character arc in all of <laughs> Buffy. And that is a high bar. There's lots of great stuff in Buffy. Um, but before we talk about Spike, I like to get the bullshit out of the way first. So let's go ahead and That's open fair. with Parker Abrams because oh my god I mean Parker is a total douche in this episode but he was a hateable douche right from the beginning he was overwritten he was super charming in that really smarmy kind of gross way and the thing that I actually like about this is that at least while Buffy and Parker when they're sitting on the bench and they're all smiling at each other we get a split edit with Xander's I'm not enjoying this as an audio lead <laughs> while Parker and Buffy are still talking to each other and I like the fact that we are textually being told that Parker is bullshit and this is not good. It's it's so great. I love that edit so much. Um, mm -hmm. And Parker and Buffy's date, I mean, that whole like, I'll regret being too nervous to ask you to go oh, to the... I'm God. like, okay. The music is on point for romantic relationship beginnings and I right. knew where this was going and I was right. still like, oh, he's kind of cute and normal. Like, he's... <laughs> You know, like, he's douchey, but he's also just, like, yeah. kind of, it's kind of cute and normal, and we're so deep. You can see why she buys. Totally. And we're so deep in yeah. Buffy's POV, and I think the music throughout mm -hmm. this episode really helps to reinforce that. That, yeah. you know, it's like, yeah, okay, he's kind of, like, sensitive and normal. And I guess it's, you know, the moral of the story is beware 
the guys mm-hmm. who seem too normal. <laughs> but he is such a colossal douche, setting it up as the whole like you and me against the world. Other people don't really get it. You know, oh, live God. for today bullshit. Like it's so gross and Everything so obvious. He's doing- is so constructed. Like he's doing this whole thing so that when she goes back in her head afterward, she can say, Oh, the live for today thing. That was about having sex today and never speaking to me again. Oh, now I get it. Obviously, I misunderstood. And when she apologizes to him, Oh my God, my face lights on fire. I'm so when angry. He, yeah. Like, when he oh says, God. He, when he says something about, when he says like, you, you must have misunderstood or you, and I'm like, right. I thought it was very clear. Whoa. Oh, please. Whoa. The you, you misunderstood is such a gaslighty. We'll get there. It is. We'll get there. But it oh my God, the like, yeah. I was clear. I'm sorry. You didn't get it. Um, right. But I love that we're still looking at Buffy and Parker when we hear Xander say, I'm not enjoying I this. Know. <laughs> No, it's not good. It is not okay. Um, But also, I don't know if you noticed this, but Parker and Angel apparently shop at the same bed, bath and beyond because those are the exact same sheets from Angel's bed from when Buffy slept with him. It's the same red. It's everything. Yep. And the sheets are a million yards long. These are twin beds. Like, calm down, boys. You don't need king-size sheets. God, it's so terrible. He's just the worst, and I hate Parker. <laughs> I mean, I hate Scott Hope a lot. I, You know, we, we recall how much I hate Scott Hope. Uh, but Parker? That's just, that's bad. Although, I don't know. And I think about all the, like, men for Buffy. Like, all the ones. I hate all of them <laughs> except, like, Angel and Spike. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, so yeah, it's not good. And it's interesting that you mentioned Angel because Angel is incorporated into this story when he's not oh, yeah. physically present in this really, yeah. really nice way. And it keeps us super, super in Buffy's POV. I mean, starting with yeah. Parker has a reflection, which is yeah, a, like it's a cute little detail. You know, when we open in the bronze and he's playing pool and he's wearing teal. Yeah. And she's watching the mirror. Mm-hmm. Um, right. You know, mm-hmm. and then Parker jokes about guys who are all, I'm dark and brooding. So give me love. And Buffy says, right. Don't think I've ever met that type <laughs> in this great, great, yeah. like self-knowledge is just a mm-hmm. killer kind of way. Um, yeah. You know, and then of course we, see Buffy's scar from where the master mm-hmm. and also Angel bit her. Mm-hmm. And of course the bed sheets a la surprise right. the world's and her waking up alone yep. which is a trigger point. I mean it's, it's a repeat of that whole thing. Yep. You know. Yeah. Yeah well Buffy always wakes up alone. There's like a there's a there's a pattern because doesn't she wake up alone yeah. after she's after she and Riley spend the night together? I don't know. We'll have to find oh, out when that someone happens. Knows. I wouldn't be surprised because, God forbid, we should have Buffy, I don't know, like, wake not up have morning. to relive the worst moment of her life over and over and over again. Right. And, of course, that's just, like, the sweetest, yeah. most couple shit in the world. Right. Like, you're a lover in the sunlight of the morning and it's uh, so sweet and romantic yes. and snuggly. No, Buffy mm-hmm. can't have that. Exactly. No. God forbid we God. should give her that for one goddamn day. No. <laughs> But we were talking about Angel. So Angel yes, Angel, and yes. Parker shop at the same mm-hmm. Bed Bath & Beyond. Spike, of course, taunts Buffy about her sexual desirability by comparing mm-hmm. Parker's ghosting to Angel's vamping. 
Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm so sorry for that wordplay. I said it and then I felt like an asshole immediately. Um, Of course, because of course we weren't even calling it ghosting then. He was just, you know, just a colossal. He was just being a douche. He's just, you know, I mean, clearly manipulating her in like every possible way and then making her think it's her fault. Yeah. Yeah. So lovely. So charming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And of course, we we top off this angel is here but not here storyline mm-hmm. with Buffy sending the gem of Amara to Angel, um, yeah, through Oz. And I <laughs> I don't usually love confused Xander, but I love right. Xander. Poor Xander! Like no one tells him anything. He's like, what? Where? Right. Who? Who's she giving? What's well, happening? Also, he. He doesn't pick up on stuff, too. It's like not even that anybody tells him. It's just that he just can't keep yeah. up. Everyone else knows what's <laughs> happening and Xander doesn't. Right. And Willow, yeah. we have sweet Willow. She's giving it to yes. Angel. Don't make a fuss. <laughs> like, I know, but it's so sweet the way that she says that, though. Yeah. I love that because it's it's it shows this like genuine care for Xander, but also for Buffy. You know, yeah. don't make a fuss about this. Buffy doesn't need that right now. And like all that. Yeah. It's just really incredibly sweet. It's so sweet. Like it's the sweetest mm-hmm. possible rendition of now yeah. is not the time, Xander. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, to the, the tragic, the tragic coda is this how it always goes? Buffy wants to know. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. here we go again. You sleep with exactly. a guy and he turns evil. Or, you know, well, of course, Parker was evil all along. So that's the difference between Parker and Angel. But yeah. Yeah. But, you know, from but, yeah. her perspective, it's like he ripped sure. off the mask and then was a totally different yeah. person. Exactly. Which, you know happens it's just terrible in the world yeah. and it's awful yeah it's awful unless you're spike and you're just awful you know all along oh god <laughs> okay 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 you open the gates i cannot go back we got to talk about spike <laughs> i am so excited that spike is back and i mean this is it strap in we are heading for the best character arc in all of buffy i will put my money down on that go ahead and argue with me you can at me all you want i will argue this till the <laughs> day ends absolutely um i love okay i love spike clearly clearly everybody knows how much i love spike i don't play that particularly close to the vest, you know? Um, but this is not, even in this episode, though, like, it's it's Spike, and it's wonderful to have him back, but it's not our best Spike. This is, he's, um, he's so terrible. You know, like, usually there's, there's, like, redeeming, really fun stuff from Spike, and we do get some of that in this episode. Um, but he's just, he's so awful to Harmony, and Harmony is amazing, and she's so fun. We're going to talk about her in, in just a minute. But the, the way he's so cruel to her, one of the things that I loved about Spike and that made Spike work so well for me, you know, in the earlier seasons, was how much he loved Drusilla. That was how I accessed Spike, that here he is, full of evil, and yet has this incredibly passionate incredibly you know as re- i mean toxic because he's a vampire but like still like a real genuine love for this woman right. you know um and so i like the fact that he's not also in love with harmony because it shows that spike doesn't just love anybody you know that that person has to be truly truly special for spike to fall in love with them so i like that but at the same time like seeing him i don't know why i can watch him kill people all the terrible things and spike does so many terrible things but being mean to harmony is, is one of these things that i'm like i don't i don't particularly care as much for this brand of spike um as like the other variations of spike that we get yeah it's not it's it's not a good look although it is very very spike it's on brand. Yeah. 
you know, I mean, he is a vampire. He is evil. And this is one of the things that we see Spike in love, you know, and we all get wrapped up in his vulnerability, you know, and it makes us feel like warm, fuzzy feelings about Spike with while forgetting sometimes that he is evil. And we're going to go through a number of times where Spike actually reminds the audience, let's not forget I am evil, right. you know, and like the sexy bad guy is a somewhat dangerous trope, you know, yeah. because bad guys are bad. Um, that said, I still love him. I love him. I love him so much. Um, I love this moment where he's making fun of Parker when he sees him when they're at the party and he looks at Parker and he's like, he's got hmm, vulnerability. <laughs> so good. And I absolutely love that. But it also makes me ask the question. And this is a question that a lot of, you know, a lot of people ask, and I'm not sure when you can absolutely nail this moment down. But when does Spike fall in love with Buffy? Like, we know, of course, that he's going to be in love with Buffy. He's going to actually textually realize that in the middle of season five. Yeah. But when does it first happen? I mean, we had some talk about in Lover's Walk um, where he was saying that Drusilla had said he was telling he was telling Willow it was the truth with Buffy that did it. Yeah. Right. She thought I'd gone soft. It was about Buffy. And we get a little bit more later on, I think, when we have Fool for Love, right, um, where he talks about that. And I think it may be in Fool for Love, but it's in it's in season five, I'm pretty sure, when he says that Drusilla thought that he had been in love with Buffy, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I kind of, I put it at when they were working together to take Angelus out at the end of season two. Mm-hmm. That's they worked so well together. They were so great. They clearly, and I think that that's when he fell in love with her. Yeah, and they clearly. I mean, from very early in the Spike is in Sunnydale piece of the story, yeah. they clearly understand each other yeah. in a way that I'm not sure. I'm not sure we see other characters understand each other. Like they get each other yeah. on this deep you know, admittedly very written level, but it's there. Mm -hmm. And I guess when Spike falls in love with Buffy depends on your definition of in love. Of what in love means. Because he clearly admires her from the beginning. When he gets those videotapes of her in uh, in season three, too right Mm -hmm. he gets he gets the tapes of her fighting um and he is talking about her with such admiration look at her go look at her do this like he's fascinated by her from the beginning yeah yeah there's definitely a fascination and a kind of um infatuation right from the beginning with spike and buffy at least that's my that's my read well Right. And I mean, the infatuation can absolutely be the read for him in season five. Although um, the things that he does for her, you know, like when he takes that beating to protect Dawn mm-hmm. because he knows what Dawn means to Buffy. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, that is, I think, a sign of of actual love more than necessarily infatuation, but actual love from Spike when he is soulless is something that is always going to be somewhat tainted and corrupted. You know, it's never going to be, I guess it can be love. It's just not a healthy love. What is it Drusilla says? We can love. We just don't love wisely. I think she Something says like that. In that. Season five. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so it is interesting because yes, like your definition of love of, you know, when, when the falling in love happens, mm-hmm. um, it, it can really change how you see that. If you believe in this love at first sight thing, then you go back to when he's watching the videotapes of her and he's so impressed with her, you know, back in season two. If you see love as something that develops over 
like so slowly over such a like a period of time, then it may be that moment where he wakes up in season five and has that realization, you know, that that's the moment when he knows he's in love with her. And is that when in love happens or did in love happen sometime earlier than that? It's it's a really interesting question. And I think a lot of people will have different answers to that question. Like, when is the moment that he falls in love with Buffy? But one of the things, though, between the two of them that you see is that, you know, Spike has this like plot armor right Mm -hmm. like we never kill spike buffy has so many opportunities to kill spike and she doesn't and extra textually like we know that the writers don't want spike dusted because then we would have no spike and we love spike we have to keep spike right Mm -hmm. um but textually this results in buffy making a choice and of course the choices our characters make are always the most important thing that our characters do um buffy makes this choice over and over and over again to let spike go i mean he and harmony are at the party with a dying victim I know. who's already been who's already knocked out from having been bitten i mean he may not be dead yet but he like seriously needs a transfusion you know um so she sees him doing harm right knowing that he's spike that he's going to be killing people right and that is buffy's whole thing right she's not about punishment she's about prevention right um they go outside she fights with him a little bit and then she just talks to him and watches him walk away like it's so weird it's so weird like i know i know plot armor and you can't we can't get rid of spike because we need spike because spike is great spike is the best but it kind of makes me think that buffy's maybe a little bit in love with spike i mean well way earlier like way way earlier than anything happens between them there seems to be this like resistance on her part to actually she killing him? She doesn't want to kill him. Yeah, she doesn't want to kill him. So um, later on in the episode when he's got the gem on, which is actual literal plot armor, mm-hmm. right? She does stake him. Although he, of course, lives and they are outside fighting in the sun. So I think part of her knows it's not going to dust him. Yeah. You know, I mean, part of her knows he's wearing the ring that makes him invincible. Like she knows this. That's the only time she stakes him. And all of Buffy, <laughs> like that's when she stakes him. <laughs> um, despite the fact that he is a very va- dangerous vampire, but she can't kill him. Um so I don't know, like, it's an interesting, is Buffy textually protecting Spike? Does she like him? Has she sort of fallen in love with him? Is he, he's the one person who, like, really understands her, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, and they get each other. So I find it a really, really interesting, like, interesting question to ask, you know? And then, of course, we have Spike with Harmony, right, who he doesn't love mm-hmm. and is, like just terrible too it's a wonderful contrast for his relationship with drew it also shows again like i said he doesn't fall in love with just anybody right and you know that he can have meaningless relationships he doesn't fake it that's something that spike doesn't spike doesn't Mm -hmm. lie he doesn't i mean i know which i love about him you know he lies in the like i'm an evil guy sense but he doesn't lie in the same way that other characters do like he's well he's very much the way that parker Right. Look at the way that Parker is lying. Mm -hmm. Like, I think Spike, Spike will lie. He doesn't not lie because it's a moral, ethical thing. I mean, clearly, you know, Um, but he doesn't manipulate 
people, really. I mean, we'll see him do that a little bit later in season four, directly toward an end. You know, he will absolutely mess with people. But in general, he he doesn't manipulate people to feel certain ways about him. Or, and we have that wonderful contrast with Parker, who is all full of bullshit mm-hmm. and lying and manipulation. But Spike, for the most part, unless Spike has a very specific objective toward which he is working... He will tell the truth. He's a truth teller. You know, he's coming in to replace Cordelia as the truth teller. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I like that about him. And it makes me respect him and like him more because honesty is honesty takes a, a little bit of courage. And I think for him, like he genuinely doesn't care what people think about yeah. him. You know, um, and he doesn't really necessarily always need to manipulate people. So he just doesn't. He just tells the truth. He just tells the truth the way he sees it. He's not worried about anybody's tender fucking feelings. Yeah. He's not tiptoeing around anybody. Yeah. Um, and I actually like that because it shows respect for the people um, that he's around. Um, but one of the things getting back to kind of like how Buffy feels about Spike is that there's this moment after Parker and Buffy talk again after she goes chasing Spike out. And Parker asks about Spike, saying that, you know, did you guys used to date? And she laughs so hard at that moment. It feels like a bit of an overly enthusiastic denial to me. I mean, does it to you? It feels very loaded. It feels like a very, very loaded laugh. She is clearly called like, okay, it's kind of like... (laughs) It's kind of like when someone says, oh, you have a crush on them. And you're like, no, I don't. What? No, not at all. Why would I have a crush on them? What is that? What? No. Mm -hmm. Like, it's a little bit, it's a little bit defensive. But I also like the idea that in that moment, of course, Buffy knows, you know, she's the vampire slayer. Vampires are real. Spike is a vampire. All of this stuff. You know, she has been through all of this stuff with Spike. So then the idea of like Spike being just a guy she used to date is right hilarious in this kind of over the top sort of way i think there's a lot mm-hmm. going on in just that that little moment um yeah you know no, I mean, it's it's a great moment yeah especially because she's she has done the whole setup of you know my friend who's not supposed to drink and you know <laughs> and, like it's not quite a lot <laughs> yeah <laughs> because he's not supposed to be drinking the people at this party right not, very yeah true. it's not very it's true. not the beers it's the people um mm-hmm. but there's definitely like yes there are feelings for spike in, in short there are there, buffy has feelings for spike maybe i think so. yeah i mean or at least at very least attraction there's yeah he is very he is very compelling and had we dated mm-hmm. that might have been sexy and fun kind of mm-hmm. acknowledgement yes um yes but yeah i i i love that laugh so much <laughs> so so much i think it's really great <laughs> okay so uh let's go ahead and talk about harmony for a little bit because harmony vampire harmony is the best harmony is the regular like you know mean girl in school was whatever she was fine mm-hmm. right you know mercedes McNabb did a great job with the character you know it was fine Harmony as a vampire, from this point forward, the run for Harmony uh, on both Buffy and Angel um, is like one of the most delightful things ever. I love vampire Harmony so much. I love how her 
her genuine personality with this whole thing like it's just a demon walking around in your friend's skin suit yeah. or whatever like that is so patently untrue we have unproven that a million times now and harmony is absolutely exhibit a for this argument that she is very much still the person that she was she's just also soulless and evil and likes to kill people that's an addition to her personality it doesn't replace her personality yep. so i love that yep. about her she's exactly i mean willow says it she's exactly the same yeah um, yeah, you haven't changed it. What is it? Haven't changed at all. And she says, You haven't changed at all. Right? A little She's, bit. <laughs> she is harmony with this little extra sexiness. Mm-hmm. She's got the vampire sexiness yes. going, but she's mm-hmm. just harmony. And it's so yeah. wonderful. And I love her so much. And I love everything she does. Everything. Yes. Like all of my, my notes for this episode are all just harmony's lines. I love harmony's. <laughs> Oh, I love Harmony. I love it. I, is Antonio oh, Banderas a vampire? <laughs> I know. I know. She's just so, she's so great. And I love the way that she is with Spike. Like the way that she is with Spike. Oh, my little blondie bear. And when she's doing the whole seduction with, why do I have these oh, blue God, I love that, that are all over my body? I mean, it's so incredibly sweet. And she just loves him. And and that's interesting, too, because, again, we don't see vampire love that often without a soul. We see it with Angel. Of course, he has a soul he can love. But when he's Angelus, he doesn't. He gets disgusted by the love feelings that he has for Buffy. You know, um, Spike and Drusilla have been our our true stories of vampire love. And I think we get a little bit of that with Darla, but that's mostly over in Angel. We've, we've, we're done with Darla as far as Buffy goes. Um but this this harmony loving Spike and he's I've got a boyfriend and he's going to be so mad yep. that you were mean to me and like all of this stuff and her, you know, I want to go to France and I want to do this. And then when she's going through all the gems and everything, um, it's so wonderful how she is with Spike. And, you know, and again, like there's always the question of, you know can what can vampire love actually be how healthy can it be you know obviously not much because they're evil and they're vampires but um but still there's this sense of love from her for him uh, you know her 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 little blondie bear it's just it's so incredibly cute um but this abusive relationship though the way that spike is with her um, is really sad and it does take away some of my enjoyment of Spike because my favorite thing about Spike is that contrast of the evil with the vulnerable, the evil with the the deep and passionate love that he feels. Mm-hmm. So when he's not feeling deep and passionate love, um, he can be a little bit, you know, he's just less enjoyable, you know, because you don't have that like really con- crunchy internal uh, contrast going on with him. Um, so we know that, you know, Spike doesn't have a soul, but that doesn't mean he can't love. He definitely loves Drew and he absolutely loves Buffy. Um you know, but because of who and what he is, like that love, even in its purest state, is always going to be dark and twisty and, and essentially corrupted, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I have to tell you, though, when Harmony's doing her little blue vein seduction and he crawls on his fists on the bed over her, mm-hmm. I'm like, hello, hello, Spike. <laughs> Well, and it's something, I mean, we don't get the, like, in love vulnerability from Spike yeah. in this episode, but we do get his his vulnerability to seduction. Like, when, when yeah. Harmony is pointedly sexy for him, mm-hmm. 
um, you know, when she does her little her little performance, he slams her up against the wall next to the guy they've got chained up. Yeah. And she says, "Ooh, right here. You know, and he he knows that it's play, but it works yeah. on him and he likes it. Mm-hmm. So when she's playful with him, that is a turn on for him. And that, I think, is a is a yeah. vulnerability that we don't necessarily see in bad guys i mean they like bad Mm -hmm. guys bad guys like sex because sex is dark and evil and you know but they're also the seducers and the initiators and all but their their sexual relationship is very playful they're very flirtatious in their you know in their foreplay which is really, mm-hmm. really fun. And that gives me that little bit of like, yeah, okay, Spike's an okay guy. Because he really is, he's awful to Harmony. He's yeah. awful. Yeah. And she is trying to take this relationship into a more sex and yeah. love place. You know, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. I'm writing Spike loves Harmony on your back. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> she is trying <laughs> so hard to have a mm-hmm. relationship. And he just, he is clearly turned on by her and enjoys yeah. having sex mm-hmm. with her, but that is it. So, yes. I, I mean, it's an interesting, it, it's not a uh, black or white, you know, with the vampires. It's mm-hmm. not just, you know, they're evil and yeah. they have evil sex. Like, yeah, they're evil, you know, but they have playful <laughs> sex, which is, yeah, such a great contrast fun, right. to it is our clinical sexuality <laughs> with Anya. Oh my god! I, I know. love, love, love Anya. Um, but we'll get there in a minute. But Harmony, because <laughs> we're still on Harmony, right? So Harmony, we're still on Harmony, Har- as is Spike. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh my god! And they're good together. James Marsters and Mercedes McNabb have chemistry. They, they do. It's are fantastic. great together. And I say, I said it at the open, but she's the only person who can like upstage him in terms of, uh-huh. you know, just scenery chewing and performing the house down. Um, yeah. Because- and to be in a scene with James Marsters and take the spotlight off of him like that ain't nothing that's some serious stuff mercedes mcnab is doing amazing things with this character and the moment when she says i don't know why i let you be so mean to me like she's so and this is the thing is that harmony while spike doesn't have the vulnerability that he had with drew right um you know harmony has that and there's this saying i don't know where it came from i think it's french that says in every relationship there is one who kisses and one who is kissed Right. Um, And with Spike and Drew, Spike was the one who kisses. Spike was the one who chased. Spike was the one who took care of her and attended to her, you Mm -hmm. know. And in this, Harmony is the one who kisses. Harmony is the one who chases. Even though she brings him to her on the bed, she is seducing Mm -hmm. him. He's not initiating that. She's making that Mm -hmm. happen, you know. So, um, yeah, it's it's really kind of interesting. And so the one who kisses is inherently more vulnerable than the one who is kissed. And she has this this inherent vulnerability in this. It's so sad. It's she's so I sad know. at the end. And it just it breaks my heart. Being a vampire sucks. Being a vampire sucks. 
sucks. It's so it's so sad. I just it's wonderful and I love it, but it is. It's so sad. Um, but another thing I love in this episode, when we shift away from our vampires a little bit, um, is of course sweater giles. Like we are out of tweed giles and we are fully into sweater giles, which I absolutely love. <laughs> I love, love. this. I feel like um, I need a Venn diagram or a chart or a graph or something right? of like <laughs> the evolution of Giles clothing. I it's right. It's lovely. And I love you loving yes, it. Yes. It just brings me so much joy because I know. <laughs> right, right. And he goes from sweater Giles, like in season five and, and there on, he, he, you know, relieves himself of the sweater Giles thing because that, of course, becomes associated with his depression in season four um, and becomes like casual suit Giles. Like now more Tweety, but he's got his button down Giles. You know, that's our next flavor of Giles. But right now we're in sweater Giles, right? Um, he's not depressed yet, right? He's setting up his library. He's got all of his weapons. We see him answering the phone while casually holding a fencing sword. It's just fucking adorable. Um, I love all of this stuff with um, with him. You know, he's he's not a watcher anymore, but he's still fulfilling that role. Um, he's setting up his whole house. It's all about all the books and his collection and everything. Um, I just I love all of this stuff with Giles in this episode, he's so fantastic. I love that he's practicing fencing at home, clearly. And then he's, he's on the phone with Buffy and he's reading about the gem of Amara and he goes, oh, 10th century. <laughs> like, he's so delighted right. that just... Like, that's his favorite thing. Yes, exactly. It's the ba- oh, oh, that's the best one. <laughs> so cute. So cute. It is. But he is, he is, is still very much... It's, it is fun to see him try to bridge that gap between not being a watcher Mm -hmm. but still wanting to help and support the slayer and her merry group of you know vampire yes hunters no they don't hunt (laughs) see i was going for something and then it just it just dropped it just crashed but i like i like giles in this support role um before he is before he is depressed sweater giles yes Yes. You know, when we hear him off camera say, good morning, as Buffy is coming into the room. (laughs) Uh, uh, Oh, my God. That's my favorite thing. And I love this whole dance that Buffy does where she's trying to explain where she was on Saturday night. And then she's like, you know what? I'm an adult. It's none of your business where I was. And he goes, I'm sincerely relieved to hear it. He does not care. He is not invested in her sex life or personal life or whatever, you know, as long as it's not a vampire. Um, And so I, I love the way that he responds to that without judgment without you know like this this parental concern about well what have you been Mm -hmm. doing Buffy like she he already knew she was an adult she was the one who finally came to that realization during this conversation but he was just waiting for her to get there so that they could get the work exactly you know he is about the work he's like now can I talk to you about this gem there's this great quiet moment when she hangs up the payphone. she's speaking to him yeah you know, before before she and Parker go back to the party and end up sleeping together, mm-hmm. when she hangs up and, you know, she's done her little yawn, sleepy now thing. Yeah. She hangs up the phone and then she looks at it with this like, ooh, did I just do a bad thing? There's yeah. this one little quiet moment. So then I love that we have this payoff here where Giles does not care, like, at all. Not even slightly. Yeah. Like, we have work to do. 
we have, you know, their research has been done. Information has been found. Meanwhile, Willow is standing behind him, pantomiming, doing like the excited <laughs> best friend thing. She can hardly so contain herself. But of course, Serious Giles is there being serious. Yes. So we have to be serious. Yes. It's yes. priceless. I love it so much. <laughs> and I love, I love Xander, Giles, and Anya. I would watch oh, yes. an entire show about the three of them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, They're wonderful. Xander saying, I don't get your crazy system. And Giles <laughs> says, it's called the alphabet. <laughs> like, I know. Are you I know. It's so adorable. I love Xander, what's going on. Giles and Xander are like the odd couple. Oh, God, they're so funny. Of, you know, the Buffy verse because they have that wonderful, you know, back and forth. And Xander, of course, always playing the dumb guy, you know. And then Anya. Oh, my God. The return of Anya. <laughs> the return of Anya. I need to talk to Xander. And she just stands there. Giles just stands there. And Xander just stands there. And then she goes, go away. (laughs) (laughs) Never mind that she has just walked into Giles' apartment. Oh, it's so funny. It's so funny. Emma Caulfield and uh, Anthony Stewart Head having their little face acting off where they're just staring at each other and narrowing their eyes (laughs) at each other. It's hilarious. It's so good. Emma Caulfield is absolutely amazing i'm so so glad i mean you know we get anya back we get spike back we got anya you know earlier but still like it's it's so so wonderful i just absolutely love having her in this um but we'll talk about anya and xander in a little bit but first we are going to take a break for a word from our sponsors this episode of still pretty is brought to you by gileswetters.com gileswetters.com provides slightly oversized sweaters that will look good on any middle-aged man even the employed ones and Lonnie, Lonnie, is this a joke? <laughs> no, that's the discount code they wanted. You're taking off with the fans, Clive. Fine. Go to gileswetters.com and use the code SWEATERCLIVE to get your discount today. <laughs> or instead, you could choose to take the $3 you might spend on a sweater for your live-in British Watchers Council exile. <laughs> oh, really? Not everybody has one, but everybody should. <laughs> and give it directly to Chipperish Media so we can keep making the great podcasts you love, like Still Dead about Angel the Series, Listen Up A-Hills about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Orgasm about Explosive Inspiration, our Star Wars podcast, Metaphors Be With You, and the free college-level course in narrative theory, How Story Works. Visit patreon.com slash chipperish to find out more. All right, the patron ask is done and recorded. Are you happy now? <laughs> Very. All right, thanks, Clive. So, uh, Noelle, I wanted to talk about Xander and Anya. A oh bit my God, here. what the hell is going on out there? Nothing, Lonnie. Are you sleeping with Clive? No, he sleeps in the basement. That doesn't really answer my question. All right, so moving on, uh, Xander and Anya. We have this wonderful interaction uh, with the two of them in Xander's basement. Um, I love Anya going to him and laying out her plan to sleep with him so that she gets over him. It is so wonderful. The edit from Spike and Harmony in bed to Anya's very (laughs) clinical, workable plan to get Xander out of her head is amazing. Uh It's so perfect. But I think Anya didn't get the whole phrase, which yes. is the best way to get over someone is to get under someone 
else. Right. Someone the else, else part. Anya, not the person you're trying to get over. That's not, right. that's not how that goes. Oh, it's, man. But it's a nice shot in, in, in service of experimentation. I think it's worth trying to see if yes. it gets you over somebody, as long as everybody's willing and consenting. I think that sounds great. Um, Xander's response, however, like for me, needs some unpacking. I'm going to go ahead and play this clip for us because I want us to kind of like tear through this a little bit. It's just we hardly know each other. I mean, I like you, and you have a certain directness that I admire, but sexual inter... What you're talking about, well, and I'm actually turning into a woman as I say this, but it's about expressing something and accepting consequences. Oh, I have condoms. Some are black. That's... That's very considerate. I like you. You're funny and you're nicely shaped and frankly it's ludicrous to have these interlocking bodies and not interlock. Please remove your clothing now. And the amazing thing? Still more romantic than Faith. So we have Xander's view of sex here um, being established as being about connection and personal intimacy as much about the sex itself. And it's really sweet, although I could live without his line of and I'm turning into a woman as I say this because that's kind of bullshit. Um, But it's clear that despite his repeated grossness about women, that this is how he feels. I mean, we've seen this before when Buffy tries to seduce him in Bewitched, Bothered and Bewildered. He turns her down because she's under the influence, even though he really, really likes her. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, he wants to be chosen for himself, not just for the sex. And then at the end, he says, and yet this is still more romantic than faith. Like he Mm -hmm. clearly requires some level of romance for sex. And he does like Anya. So he's good to go. But like, remember with with faith, when he said we'd had a connection, they'd had sex. They didn't have a connection. He had misunderstood that as connection and then of course when he goes to try to talk to her she almost kills him you know right um so so but we see this element in xander that that sex for him is about more than just this conquest or this physical experience that you can have with another person which sex can be if everybody if everybody consents that everybody's clear nobody's manipulating anybody else to get it then to make them think that they're crazy um you know i think that that can be absolutely a very wonderful and fulfilling like sexual experience but for xander he really needs that romance that connection and i think that that's kind of an interesting thing to come from him Mm-hmm. Definitely, especially because he is so gross about yeah. women. Or he certainly, yeah. I mean, we've certainly seen him talk this talk of objectifying women. And, yeah. you know, it's so when it when it's there staring him in the face and yeah. other parts as well, like he's not <laughs> that's not actually what he wants. Right. Um. He wants he wants love, which is really very sweet and vulnerable. Yes. Um, and I love I love him not knowing what to do with this level of directness mm-hmm. and um I want to I'm tempted to say force, but I don't mean yeah. in a I don't mean that in a in a negative way. I mean it in a Anya Anya is a an ex demon woman who has made up her mind and who this is what's gonna what happen. She, wants. she knows what she is, wants. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She is, I mean, she's disrobing in front of him, which can be seen as assaultive if the other person is not, you know, on board with it, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that can be problematic, but she's not... 
I think her intent is not to force him into anything, but rather to give him a view of the the goods that she's offering, you know, to like make sure that this is what you're getting. I'm just being direct. I'm just letting you know this is this is what it is, you know, mm-hmm. um, but she's not touching him. She's not throwing herself at him. She's not tossing him down on the bed. He comes to her, you know, Yeah, but um, much like yeah. much like your your issue with women slapping men in fiction yeah. and that being OK. Yeah. If a this man is, did this? Yeah. yeah, this is another one of those. If a man did this to a woman, that would not be okay. It's not okay. You know, I think that for me, it doesn't bother me for two reasons. One, because it is Anya who has a clear, like, doesn't understand what she's doing. You know, um, we see her in Giles house where she's like, go away. It's his yeah. house. She walked in like she doesn't know Um, And I think that that like part of it makes that forgivable for me. Uh, Part of it is because I do believe that she is like it's a social misunderstanding where I I believe that she is saying this is, you know, just so you know that this is what you're getting. Like there's no, you know, this is what I'm offering. I am offering myself. So when men do it, you know, men are the possessors of the penis. When they're doing this, it is often a, a form of sexual domination. Of course, the penis is the thing that penetrates the woman, right? So I think that while we... While if if we gender flipped this, it would come off as much more of an assault, you know, Um, in this particular circumstance, it does not bother me or um, or appear to me in that way. And I think it's more about the gender flip. It's just that that men have the particular piece of equipment that can do something that can violate, you know, and women can also violate men. Women can rape men. I mean, this is a thing that absolutely does happen. Um, but because they're not like physically the, the piece of, of, of the body that physically penetrates the other, this is... um, doesn't go from woman <laughs> to man. This is so phallocentric and heterosexist. I just can't even like, I'm not I'm just so like, sorry. I'm I don't listening mean to you to talk be. and I'm like, I'm like, you are telling us so much more about yourself and your own views on sex than you are about, like, why the scene is maybe okay oh or not. Oh, my God. I'm being so problematic. Okay, clear me up. Clear me no, up. No, no, Fix no, no. I mean, no, I don't want to be. But I'm just saying, like, that's, I mean, and maybe because I am a woman and I am, like, you know, I'm a heterosexual. I When I have sex, I have sex with men. And that does require that that pen like that penetration into me like i am the recipient that of is, that so but what i'm saying what i'm saying is that is your definition of sex between a man and a woman sex is this broad like we are culturally told and our media is part of this right that yes sex is penis goes into vagina and that is the only thing that sex is so right. we miss i mean we miss the the opportunity to you know explore a healthy sexuality where in sex can happen you know even there can be a penis involved but it doesn't have to be going into anyone's body you know what i mean like there are okay no true these are definitions of sex that are more expansive than this very phallocentric heterosexist patriarchal model of sex is this one thing and it ends when the man ejaculates inside the woman right like that is- right 
No, absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with that. I will say that when we are talking about gender flipping, right? So that it is a woman who is uh, presenting herself to a man versus a man who is taking off his clothes for a woman. Because we are talking like this is a heter- like this particular example is a heterosexual example. And a man's penis can be, especially when it's erect and unasked for, can be threatening to a woman in a way that like, I think a female body is maybe not as threatening to a man in this particular context. Everything. Absolutely agree. I'm not defending my heterosexist bullshit. If I've got it, call me out. Absolutely. You know, because I've clearly, (laughs) clearly got it. Um, Because this is what I'm saying that within a patriarchal phallocentric system of human sexuality, like the only reason that that is more threatening is Is because because the patriarchy Because Because, of those presumptions, yes. Yes, because if there is a penis, it is going to be going into something and it is the, like, it's, the penis is the driving force of sexuality. I mean, it plays into that whole conversation we, you know, very clumsily had about bisexuality, which is that, you know, if a man is bisexual, he is actually gay. And if a woman is bisexual, she is actually straight because sexuality revolves around the presence of of a penis, a penis. yes so yes. that's that's all i'm saying and i'm pointing out that it's you know this is one of those this is one of those situations that, and i i actually really like this scene i really mm-hmm. really like it but it occurred to me watching it that part of what makes it work and i'm putting mm-hmm. it in you know i'm putting work in right. air quotes, you can't see me because this is a podcast. <laughs> um, but part of what makes it work is that idea of, you know, heterosexual male sexuality existing yes. in this way. And of course, you know, we talked about this, but Xander is trying to unpack, but not really yeah. his feelings about wanting there to be feelings involved. Like it's supposed to right. be, it's supposed to be funny, and he makes that joke about I'm turning into a woman as I see this. But really, what he's saying is, it's more than interlocking body parts. Yes, mm-hmm. for me, and I just I. There's a lot going on here. There's a lot going on here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so let me see. From now again. You know, thank you. Always call me out on that stuff because I'm always going to see like from that perspective, that's the culture in which I grew up in. And that's, of course, my personal experience. So I really do appreciate you calling me out on that stuff because sometimes I don't see it. And if I've offended anybody, I apologize. I'm well, just saying this is this is the perspective from which I'm, I'm seeing these things. But does that do you find it sexually assaultive? For Anya to take off her dress without invitation as she is proposing the idea of sex to Xander? She has not yet proposed the idea. She Oh, wasn't she? Didn't she no. say we should have sex? No, this is her opener. She took off her thing. This is her <laughs> opener. Yeah. You're right. He you're says, right. Can I right, get you right. something? He says, you're Can right, I get you something? Right. I have cran apple and turns around. <laughs> and then we get that juice box moment where right. you know, he pees the, himself. That phallic, yes. He pees himself yeah. because in terror. Oh, like, I thought I mean, that was an ejaculative metaphor. Well, and I think it's supposed to be, mm-hmm. maybe, but I read it as a terror, like as a, as a, and I just peed myself because, oh my God. Okay. All but right. I, I mean, Anya, 
Anya is a complicated character because, as you say, she is written with this idea that she doesn't know how to human. And that's funny. For somebody who's been around humans for over a millennium and was human to begin with. Yeah, but apparently... Although at this point, I don't think we know that. Yeah. Yeah. No, we don't know that yet. We know that Mm -hmm. she is an ex-demon. Yes. (laughs) And I love... I love a fish out of water story. I love... Yes. I love a character like Anya who points out just kind of how ridiculous humans Mm -hmm. are because we are so ridiculous. We're so (laughs) ridiculous. And I like... I like that she would misinterpret what is going on between her and Xander. I mean, that's the whole, that's the whole crux of their relationship. Right. Quotes here mm-hmm. is that she's like, what is our relationship and where is it going? And he's like, what? <laughs> we went to prom. She's right? like, we went to prom. Like, you don't like, she is figuring out these human rules as yes. she goes. Mm-hmm. So in the context of this scene in this story, like, I think it's very funny Mm-hmm. That she shows up and just takes her dress off. Like, yes, this is clearly what's going what to happen. Yes. I have decided. I've decided <laughs> that I need to get over you. So I need to sleep with you. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to get, I need to put you behind me. Right. But not literally, but figuratively speaking, I was thinking face to face for the act itself. I love right. it. I love her I directness. Know. I love how she's thought of everything. But it did occur to me that like, that's that's creepy like it's right it's creepy. And, and his it, consent wasn't part of her plan at all yeah it yeah. didn't even occur to her that he might not be into it yeah you know but of course because she's an adorable little girl and she's an adorable little girl and i don't mean little like like little girl like child i mean like she's a she's a she's wee a small wee woman human. Yes. she's mm-hmm. a tiny mm-hmm. little thing and because she's this little you know physically unassuming presence Mm-hmm. Who do- just doesn't know how into human interaction works, you guys. Like, right. It's cute, but it's also, there's, you know, we're, sh- how do I want to express this? <laughs> our stories reflect our values to us, right? Yeah. So from a mm-hmm. woman who is, you know, small and thin and attractive for the culture mm-hmm. in this, you know. Yes in this way like this is not threatening and it's not assault mm-hmm. it's funny and cute yeah but that but we're showing we're showing our bias by using that for comedy well true and i mean physically the power dynamic between anya and xander seen as she is no longer a demon and has no special strength or anything um the power dynamic she has is you know he has so much more like actual physical power Mm -hmm. than she has in this moment Mm -hmm. um it's still uh it's still i think like because you think about it like if you if you gender flip it this is super problematic. And a part of that does have to do with that power dynamic and the assaultive general, like whether it's cultural bullshit or not, generally a penis is seen as, as assaultive in a lot of ways. Maybe that's just me. And I like them. So I don't even know what that says about me. I well, gotta get a therapy. But that's yeah. a, <laughs> but, but that is why, I mean, that is why the fiction that we respond to, like, clicks with us or doesn't right because you bring your experience you bring your experience to this story so it Mm -hmm. hits you in a particular way and it can you know show you things about yourself or like help you process your own feelings about 
mm-hmm. whatever the thing may be. And I mean, and we all do that. So, right. which is why, you know, I will laugh off something that happens in fiction where someone else is like, oh, no, that's super fucked up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't see it because I don't bring that experience to it. Right. So we're always, I mean, you can't. <laughs> you, well, you, you read everything through your own filters. Exactly. Because yeah. you can't not. You can't not read something through your own experience. So if you have right. been, you know, if you have had someone use that line against you, the, oh, you mm-hmm. misunderstood me. Yeah. Uh, you know, or I, uh, yeah, it just, different things are going to resonate with different people. Mm-hmm. And I, and, and I love Anya. <laughs> I, just, I, I love her. I love her. I, I love her hatching a plan. Like mm-hmm. I love her having this idea and going for it because she's so sure she's right. Because Mm -hmm. that is not a thing that we see from women. We don't see Mm -hmm. that from female characters often enough. You know, that's her. And of course, that is her, her, um, her flaw here that she Mm -hmm. has, she has, you know, built up this romance between herself and Xander, this not romance Mm -hmm. relationship. She's built up this relationship you know, prom is our is our dating anniversary. You know, yes. she's got this like she has built this narrative for herself. And then when he says, um, that's not my narrative. Yeah. Then she gets her heart broken mm-hmm. and we see her all sad at the end because she has put all of this time into constructing this narrative that's not a shared narrative. No. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. almost like all of the couples are doing the same thing. <laughs> oh, very, very much. All right. So let's move on to Buffy and sex and see if I can be heterosexist about this, too, because I'm going for a hat trick. Um, so- <laughs> You're anyway, not heterosexist. The society is heterosexist. No, no. You know what? Sometimes I'm going to be like, I can't see everything. I can't like there are presumptions that I bring from my experience and from the culture in which I live. And that's fine. I want to be called out on it. I want to be, you know, corrected and like see things from and I definitely do like see sex as a broader spectrum. But, you know, I mean, this episode, though, you know, you talk about like the oh, you misunderstood the manipulation, the gaslighting. That's all something I've experienced being on the assaultive end of a penis is something that I've also experienced. So for me, like all of this stuff kind of uh, does come through all of those filters of my own personal experience. So I hate Parker Abrams and I want him to jump off a cliff or something. But anyway, I want to punch him um, in his stupid face. Like he, oh, punch him in his stupid face. <laughs> is your dick punching arm getting twitchy? My dick punching <laughs> arm is so twitchy. Oh my God. Parker Abrams. Parker Abrams. All right. So let's talk a little bit about Buffy and sex. Um, So like, of course, like this experience for Buffy, you know, clearly we're having a uh, a reflective experience here because the first time that Buffy had sex, uh, first of all, it was in the same goddamn sheets. So I don't know if Parker (laughs) just picked them up out of the garbage that Angel threw them into, but whatever. Um, And the first time she had sex, she woke up in the morning by herself to discover that Angela turned evil, you know? Um, then she dated Scott Hope, who she did not have sex with, but who she was starting this relationship with, and then he just suddenly breaks up with her, you know, out of nowhere. The guy who three seconds after, you know, asking her out gives her a 
freaking clattering, you know. Um, yeah, very, what? very stupid. I'm still not over that, by the way. It's so, it's so bad. It's so bad. So Scott Hope was a total douche. And now we have Parker, who didn't turn evil, but was always evil from the beginning. Super complete douche. And the thing is, as I keep using this word over and over and over again to describe these men, as I have incorporated it into my terminology of the floppy haired douchebag as an appropriate term for this particular form of young male archetype, um, a douche is something that cleans out vaginas. I mean, you shouldn't, I don't think it does it well. I don't think you're supposed to use it. I think that it, it a vagina on its own is really, you know, self-maintaining. Um, but, <laughs> but as something that is meant to care for a vagina, uh, these guys are not, ju- not, not douches, right? You know I mean? Culturally, by the way that we use the word douchebag and douche, yes, they are. But like, if you think about where it comes from, I'm like, what are they, what are they really? Should they be yeast? What are they? <laughs> <laughs> no, because we need those too. We just don't this need them. very true out of proportion no, right exactly. i mean okay i think the i think douche is still mostly appropriate um because you know as you say vaginas are self-cleaning ovens sure sure douching is terrible for vaginas unless your trusted medical professional has told you otherwise do not right like do not mm-hmm. do it um but douches also clean out anuses which can be part Ooh. of your fun and exciting date night prep if you so choose so i guess sure. i am douche neutral there you go <laughs> um, <laughs> There are valid concerns on both sides, is what I'm saying. Okay. Okay. Um, All right. But but yes, I mean, I think it's Lily Tomlin who pointed out that calling someone a douchebag is misogynistic. And I mm-hmm. will, de- we will definitely be hearing about this in the Discord chat and on the Twitters. <laughs> I know sure we, will. we will. I know I'm we will. I'm sure we will. Um, yes. But yes, I mean, yeah, yeah, I, I just... Buffy and sex, man. I just want to punch Parker in his stupid fucking face. Yeah. You know, when he says, when he says, didn't you have fun? Mm-hmm. Okay. If you have to ask, the answer is no. Dude has clearly, clearly never experienced the glory that is co-creating a woman's orgasm. Did the heavens open? Did you see beyond the veil and into the astral plane? No. Then she didn't have fun, you douche canoe. <laughs> okay. Okay. Like, I'm I sorry. If, yeah. Like, <laughs> were you in the room? <laughs> like, you, did you? <laughs> oh, <sighs> man. Yeah. No. Uh, Parker is the worst for like a lot of reasons. Um, but also, <laughs> I am I am fairly certain he co-created nothing that night. <laughs> You know, and also, like, did the, didn't the sex just look terrible? Oh my god, I love how no one is moving. Like, no one is no moving. One is moving. Barely kissing, their lips are barely touching. There is no passion in this, and we do the same shots that we did. Like, look at his arm or his hand moving <laughs> up her arm. We have the close up of this kissing, which is the like erotic no arm chemistry. stroking. It's yeah, like, and I mean, the whole body, all of the body can be an erogenous zone if you're doing things right. But at the same time, and we can only show so much on TV, so right. Fine, and you but, can do yeah. things. You can do a lot of fun things by holding still. I'm not knocking it, but it doesn't oh, yeah. look like anything fun. It just looks like they're like he's lying on top of her, and they're kind of yes. making out a little bit. Yes, Ugh. yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't look like there was a lot of fun being had at that particular moment. And I would guess that you know they slept together, but I am fairly sure that Parker did not do. You know, his due diligence as far as Buffy is concerned. <laughs> now, that is my own head cannon. 
Um, but I would I would basically guess that. Um so poor Buffy having, you know, like terrible I mean, I think that the the sex with, with Angel was probably pretty good, but it was also her first time. That's usually not you know, a, a great experience for women. It depends on the circumstance, you know, but sometimes, especially young women, the first time they're not sure how everything works or whatever, because we are so, you know, parochial about sex and women don't learn about their bodies until they're, you know, with somebody else or whatever. Typically. Um, I'm sorry. Is that also... <laughs> I'm waiting for you to, I'm for you to hop no, in and just, correct me. No, I just love it. I love it when I love it when we get um like your personal life, but through narrative. You know, like I just oh, no. like, I'm, I'm going to tell you, my first time out was was absolute home run. Like my personal experience is so was great. very very good. But most so women great. that I know, Round most women that I know. Well, thank you very much. Well, actually, you know, I mean, I got to say, I didn't know what I was doing. I also was part of this, like, I don't know my body thing. He made sure. So I will say, you know, to Good that on- dude who's not listening, and I think has no idea who I am anymore. Um, <laughs> he, he, he did his due diligence. He made sure. Good he, on you. He Thank you for your service, sir. Well done. Well done. Yes, I absolutely. So, um, so anyway, that personal bit shared, whatever. Um, I, I don't keep much of my personal life to myself. That said, I think that for a lot of women, um, when they have sex for the first time, if they're not with somebody who is making sure, you know, who has more experience, who's making sure to guide them through the process and, and kind of open that space up for them. A lot of times it, it's not great. Now, I would guess that Angel did. I would guess the Angel, with 240 years of experience, has hopefully figured a couple of things out. You would out. hope that Angel would know something about, like, how arousal works. And how a woman's body works and how to make, yeah, you know, how to make like, her comfortable with saying what's working and what's not and all that kind of stuff. So. I really, really, really wanted you to pause there. I really wanted it to be make her comfortable. <laughs> Which is just like... <laughs> I mean, that's that's Weedonian wordplay bullshit right there. Oh my god! No, that wasn't where I was going, but now but, I kind of wish I did. You know, um, it's fine. I feel like an opportunity was missed. We'll there. fix it yeah. in post. It's fine. Yeah, whatever, <laughs> whatever. All right, so let's go straight from Buffy's bed to talking about toxic love, right? Um, because I find this the whole representation like the different representations of these relationships that we're following through this episode um to really be kind of talking about this sort of toxic romantic fantasy of of love as opposed to what real actual romantic love can be and is you know um and the ideas of romantic love as a concept that are sold to us culturally i think do tend to be really problematic this idea of it's love at first sight that you know you know that they mm-hmm. are the one that yep. you have one person who is your soulmate and that is the one person that you will be with and be in love with for the rest of your life as opposed to this idea that you start to get to know somebody And slowly, like, you know, the whole thing we were talking about before with uh, Buffy and Spike, that like, when is the moment that you fall in love? Is it a moment or is it just such a slow process that you don't really know until you're at the end of it and you are in love at that point, you know? And I think that our... Yeah, the, the, the story that we sell about romantic love is this lightning strike. And the lightning strike is real. I mean, that happens. You have this incredible connection. Mm-hmm. You're like totally into somebody at the beginning. That is not love. That is infatuation. That is a different thing. That is not based in, in you know, actual reality. It can grow. Mm-hmm. Infatuation can grow into actual real love. But that takes 
time, like serious time. So we have a lot of this kind of toxic idea of romance, Anya and Xander, right? They went to prom and Anya has spent all this time building up Xander in her head based on very little actual experience with him. So the Xander in her head is not the actual Xander in front of her. Those are two completely different people. And I think that represents a bit of that kind of toxic element to romantic fantasy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Anya and Xander are maybe the toxicest. <laughs> Is that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And as time goes on, they will not lessen in their toxicity. Yeah, like they don't. And it's it's especially tragic because Anya is so upfront about yes. things. Mm-hmm. But then, of course, part of the reason that they fall apart the way they do is that they're not up front with yeah. each other. So no. ugh, God, she's up front until they get together. It's very and then it weird. becomes a game. Yeah. And at that point it becomes a game. And when it becomes a game, that's when everything, you know, falls apart. Um, Parker and Buffy, right? You know, she is viewing and with reason. Like he has he led her to view this as something bigger, something deeper, something more than just, oh, we're gonna have a night together and that's it. You yeah. know, I mean, he absolutely manipulated her from beginning to end so that he could lay down the whole, well, I'm sorry if you misunderstood and yeah. make her apologize to him, which makes me fume and fury. And that pump is primed. Buffy yeah. is clearly in a state to really want this. Like she really wants this connection and she really wants yeah. it to be you know, a fun college romance. Mm -hmm. So like at the end when Parker is just being a complete and total asshat, a a poop head is that what Willow calls him? A poop head is what we are allowed to say on network television. Yes. When he's being a poop head, he says to her in this, in this wave of manipulation, is this, is this really what you want right now? Right. In this, like, you couldn't possibly, you know, uh-huh. not telling her, telling her what she wants and doesn't, while also, you know, shitting on what she does want, which is yes. a close, intimate relationship, yes. a la Oz and Willow, who we see at the beginning yeah. being all cute and cuddly and coupley, and it's delightful. And of mm-hmm. course, Buffy wants that. Of course, she wants that connection with someone who is, you know not a literal monster or a figurative monster. (laughs) Right. It's so yes, he is a manipulative poop head. And we can see that from the beginning, from the moment Mm -hmm. he is introduced in living conditions. He's just, he is gaming the system. He's got it Mm -hmm. all figured out. And Buffy is such a perfect target for him and that she wants that love she wants that romantic connection and he knows it Mm -hmm. and he's using that he's using exactly what he knows she wants to get what he wants and then turn it around on her Mm -hmm. so that it makes her feel stupid and like she's misunderstood you know um which is truly truly a terrible thing to do to somebody um you know to like fuck with their head like that then we've got spike and harmony right who are um it's clearly abusive 
Um, he is absolutely terrible to her. Um, and that is a, a really toxic place um, that does happen also in relationships, you know? Yeah. Um, and she's so trying we so hard. Mm -hmm. She's trying yes. so hard to make this a love relationship and it's just never yes. going to be. Mm -hmm. so and he doesn't say, I love you. Like the thing with Spike is that he is not being dishonest with Harmony. No. Um, he is being very straightforward with Harmony. Uh, she, he likes having sex with Harmony. Um, that is about all he likes about Harmony. And he puts up with her so that he can have sex with her. And yeah. I think that that, I think that he makes that very, very clear yes. um, in his behavior with her. Yeah. Yeah. So, so in all three of these relationships, mm -hmm. Spike and Harmony, uh, Anya and Xander and Parker and Buffy, we have these like unbalanced forces and that's part right. of what drives the toxicity of the relationship. I mean, I just mentioned Willow and Oz and I think that their mm -hmm. energy is very balanced. Yes. And they're working together. They mm -hmm. are in it together. Like one of them is not imagining something without the other's participation, mm -hmm. you know, like it's, so we do have representation of really genuine romantic love that develops, you know, over time um, between people and Buffy and Angel, of course, are, are an example of that. You know, we've had that in the first three seasons of them uh, working together, getting to know each other, falling in love with each other, all of that stuff. Um, Spike and Drusilla for all of their, you know, evil <laughs> bullshit right are truly in love truly a team working together um knowing each other loving each other in whatever way they can it's always going to be a little bit toxic but it is genuine love i think um and of course willow and oz are a fantastic example of that um so and eventually we're gonna have buffy and spike who are also despite a lot of toxic elements that are going to be in that relationship and a lot of really difficult things that we're going to have to deal with in that relationship. Um, that there is something at the basis of who they are. And I think, um, I think it really comes down to their friendship at the basis of who they are. They have this strong respect for each other. Um, and they have a friendship that comes from just knowing and understanding each other in a way that very few people can know or understand either one of them. Um, so I think that you get that element in their relationship now is, is Buffy and Spike's relationship, like a, an example of genuine, you know, healthy romantic love? Probably not. Um, but it is an example of the kind of love that it can be so incredibly powerful between two people who understand each other and know each other, you know, everything, flaws and all you know, know each other that well and work that well together. So I think that those are all, you know, really, really good things. Yeah, mostly what I remember about the Buffy Spike relationship is the like the hurt and the toxicity and the pain of it. So I, <laughs> most people much... do what I yeah. see at the core of Buffy and Spike. We're going to have that conversation. I'm very so much, much looking forward to, to revisiting that relationship because, yeah. you know, as I say, I remember the I remember the dark and twisty fucked up stuff. But... Oh, there's dark and twisty. There's Which is absolutely great. dark and twisty. that's my favorite. Yeah. But I'm I yeah. am curious to see the like the real, you know, yeah, the real the love story. Spike underneath. and Buffy, you know, is that genuine kind of partnership and understanding of each other. So while they do, I mean, that, that, that does not, is not mutually exclusive with toxicity. Mm -hmm. You can have that relationship where you do truly know each other and also have toxicity. Um, but, but the fantasy 
romance that we get with Parker and Buffy, Anya and Xander and Spike and Harmony um, is this uh, kind of false cardboard cutout representation of that thing. Right. That's what they're trying to get. Um, but it's not what they have, but they're pretending they have it. They're right. playing in the fantasy space as opposed to having that real deep connection. Well, from Xander's explanation of a relationship, mm-hmm. you know, what what a relationship is, um, and we understand that he means a romantic relationship. He says it just happens. Right. And then we cut to Parker and Buffy at her dorm room door where Parker is clearly doing this deliberate thing. Right. Um, and I'm just interested in, I mean, this episode seems to be saying, no, it does, like, what yeah. you think, what you think is just happening mm-hmm. is not. Right. Um, because it requires participation and encouragement from everybody involved, you know. But, yeah, but of course, I don't know. I don't know what what ultimately the show is saying about, you know, a romantic relationship and how that happens in a positive way. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because we don't have the the, you know. Being being in love with someone is uh-huh. very different in life, I think, than in fiction. We've already oh, talked absolutely. about this. You know, the like, mm-hmm. and I'm sure I'm sure there are people who have the love at first sight. They just know this person is the one and mm-hmm. that is, you know, and they ride off into the sunset or whatever. But <laughs> I really do think. Yeah, that, I'm not sure that I believe. In yeah, that. I mean, I don't. I either. think there's infatuation at first sight, and I, I think that that can grow into something that is genuine and real, and so people can start there and have that actually turn into something real. But I don't think that that initial infatuation, that lightning strike, that coup de foudre, right? The French coup de foudre, um, is actually the thing that creates that i think the fact that the the real deep relationship happened um was a coincidence more than a a cause and correlation you know yeah interesting theory of human interaction is brought to it's you all by very complex but it's but you know when we talk about when we talk about spike and buffy and mm-hmm. their their relationship as a love relationship yes yeah i mean knowing where they go you wouldn't you you wouldn't necessarily point to a moment in the series where oh that's where like that's where yeah. he falls in love with her that's where she falls in yeah. love with him but looking i mean looking back you know knowing where the story goes and then revisiting the story mm-hmm. the clues are there the yeah. clues are there all along yeah. and i think that that is part of the reason that that relationship feels the most authentic. Yeah. Um, you know, you mentioned Buffy and Angel. And of course, my big beef with Buffy and Angel as this great love story is I didn't see that building. The show yeah. just told me, but I didn't right. see the build. And with Spike and Buffy, I think you it's see on a, it. It's on a low boil for so long. Well, and of course, yeah. our, my other favorite relationship on the show, Willow and Oz, how mm-hmm. how low and slow was that boil? Yeah. I mean, they didn't even... Yeah. They noticed... or I was going to say they noticed each other, but I think he noticed her several times before she even registered. Yeah. And it was never mm-hmm. in a creepy way. It was always in a kind of 
like right and he didn't kiss her right away and she was like i want you to kiss me and then he was like well when you're kissing when i'm kissing you you're kissing me and he waited for that when she wanted to have sex to like prove something to him after the whole xander thing he said no you know let's (laughs) wait until the right moment um and he was ready and calm and willing to like let this go the way it was going to go naturally and organically rather than trying to force something. Whereas Willow, you know, a couple of times tried to make a moment. Happen, yeah. <laughs> tried to make it happen then. Um, and I think that there is definitely something to Oz is sort of shepherding this relationship to where it was going to go. I think it went where it went because they let it happen the way that it was going to happen without necessarily forcing anything. Yeah. Or rushing anything. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And not doing, you know, not pulling an Anya and deciding right up front, right. this is what it's going to be. <laughs> like... Exactly. Exactly. But this is stuff that happens. I mean, this is, you know, like all of these things are things that happen around this, like romantic love fantasy that we have culturally um where you're like okay this is what happens now like i have these feelings and Mm -hmm. if i have these feelings it must mean we're in love it means that something's happening right it means you're having where it's gonna go right Right. that's all it means is that you're having those feelings but it's where it's gonna go is something that just takes time in order to have the genuine connection with somebody and really really know them Mm -hmm. um you have to let it have that time um and dangerous things happen when you don't allow for that time you know um, and that's not to say you can't have sex. I'm totally <laughs> upset. But everybody everybody has to be clear on exactly what's happening. You know, like Parker and Buffy having sex is not a problem. Parker misrepresenting everything and manipulating her until at the end she's in the position where she's questioning, you know, everything. Like, that's the bullshit. That's so painful. You know, that's being so clear, painful. Right. Being clear and saying, hey, I think it would be fun. But, you know, we're not in love and we're not doing this and we're not dating or we're not whatever. Like, you know, lay down exactly what is happening before you have the sex and have the sex. That's fine. Like, that's great, you know. Um, but it's the lying and manipulating in sex that becomes, uh, you know, super, super problematic. Well, and the letting, I don't know, the, the, see, it's so tricky because, again, we are deep, deep in Buffy's pov yes mm-hmm. and yeah looking back i can see the the douchebaggery of parker um i'm not defending him in any way and buffy is also very much you know i said it already the that pump yeah. is primed so yes they're clearly clearly there needed to be more conversation <laughs> had about right. goals for relationship versus not because buffy yes. clearly wants a romantic relationship she wants a partnership mm-hmm. she wants a boyfriend whatever parker yeah. does not want to be someone's boyfriend it is very clear but right he's... but he's clearly willing to play that part to get what he wants yeah can i get a dance yeah. with the prettiest girl at the party i mean yeah ew. <laughs> sorry which is fine if you're up front like saying stuff like that like being flattering or flirting or whatever like the thing is you just have to be upfront about like what is it that each of you is looking for and he was deliberately playing into all of these romantic fantasy tropes to get her on the line so that she'd have sex with him yeah it's so it's icky. gross it's so yucky um but of course i do i do like 
air quotes, the theme of romantic misunderstanding that, yeah. of course, mm-hmm. ends with Harmony and Anya and Buffy all oh, walking God, in I this know. triangular formation. That's just a little bit yeah. too convenient, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> well, it was, it was very, it was a lovely visual, even though the reality of it is that there's a vampire like 20 feet from Buffy. Yeah. Know? And her <laughs> spidey sense should be tingling. I mean, come on. Right. But, you right. know, maybe... but I mean, but for the visual of these, these three women who are all at different spaces, you know, in, in this romantic fantasy, um, you know, pain triangle, triangle of pain, right? You know, um, it is it is a, a beautiful visual representation. It's the I really like triangle that. Triangle of pain. Right. <laughs> we are in sorrow because men have broken yes. our hearts. Yes. Oh, it's the worst. It's the oh, but there was one. There's one bit of editing that raises a question yeah. for me, which is based on everything that's going on around the scene. That moment when. Yeah. Xander and Anya are getting dressed. Uh huh. Did they spend the entire night together? I I kind of thought so. It kind of looks like they like they did. Yeah. And I'm just like, that's a level of intimacy that Anya I think didn't account for. Because there is a difference between sleeping with someone and sleeping with someone. Right. Having sex is one thing. Sleeping next to someone is incredibly intimate. And super, super vulnerable. And then, of course, yeah. they have that horrible exchange, misunderstanding. <laughs> I'm over yeah. you now. Okay. Okay. <laughs> she storms out. <laughs> you guys need to talk. You need to talk. Oh, it didn't God. have to be a doomed relationship is all I'm saying. Like, It didn't have if to they be. Were willing, no. If they were willing to either go all night or snuggle uh-huh. all night, there was something there. That's that. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. It's too bad. I'm just thinking. It sucks. I'm just thinking. All right. So, Noelle, after all this talk about sex, what are you wearing? <laughs> <laughs> um, we open with Willow in red, which I love. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just love a redhead in red. But, you know, she's head to toe red for a lot of this episode. And red is sexy yeah. and powerful and wise. And, of course, Willow is the woman who's not getting caught up in all of this yeah. relationship sex drama she is in a healthy Mm -hmm. sexual relationship she's clearly enjoying herself based on all the little faces that she (laughs) that Mm -hmm. she's making you know toward Oz and then toward Buffy she is sex positive and loving it she even corrects herself when she says that Buffy's having lusty wrong feelings yes Um, Mm -hmm. you know it's not she says no it's not wrong they're not wrong feelings she's Mm -hmm. Willow is at a good place with her sexuality she's got the she's got the red wardrobe to prove it (laughs) (laughs) and then of course we see Harmony also wearing red um Uh when we first meet her you know because she's that a thing that has changed about mm-hmm. her is that she's a vampire now, but she's also a little bit yes. sexier than we've ever seen mm-hmm. her. Um, yep. Mm-hmm. But then, of course, it's all pastels all the time for Harmony. Yep. Harmony's pastels, mm-hmm. that lavender corset. Yeah. Her baby <laughs> pink party pants. I remember, I vaguely <laughs> remember when those pants were fashionable. Yeah. They're even shiny. Mm-hmm. She's got this, and then that baby blue slip that she wears when she's mm-hmm. seducing Spike yeah. is. So perfect and so 1999. Yeah. She is vampire Barbie, and I just want her to have her dream house, you guys. I know. I love her so I much. Know. Um, she looks absolutely perfect, and of course, she's the anti-Drusilla. Right. She is, mm-hmm. she is 
narratively speaking, anti-Drusilla. You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. She's, you know, ew about, you know, the things that Drusilla liked and so on and so forth. But Drusilla, Drusilla wore white, black, uh-huh. and red. <laughs> but it was a much darker red. It wasn't this, like, yeah. bright orangey red that Harmony yeah. wears. And I love this visual contrast of the sexy vampire babe who is also, like... A Southern California blonde with big right. blue eyes yeah. and wearing yeah. baby blue and baby pink. She's delightful. It's the perfect, like, like mm-hmm. I feel like I know everything I need to know about Vampire Harmony based on what oh, she's yeah. wearing. And that oh, yeah. is what no, costuming absolutely. should do, um, especially yes. for your minor characters. <laughs> All right. So what's your girl power moment of the week? Okay. So Sophia Crawford. Mm-hmm. I have mentioned stunts before, and I keep forgetting to name Sophia Crawford, who mm-hmm. was Sarah Michelle Gellar's stunt double for the first four seasons of Buffy. So I'm doing it here. I'm doing it right now. Because yes. when Buffy and Spike fight outdoors in the sunlight, you really get mm-hmm. to see the stunt woman yeah. badassery. I mean, we see yeah. Buffy doing the thing that Buffy does so well, which is using everything around her using the right. little stone walls and jumping off of things and doing all of this you mm-hmm. know great like athletic <laughs> athletic ass kicking um yes but you know a little extra textual girl power for you is Sophia Crawford sure. just is she just kills it yeah she she's badass it. Mm-hmm. everywhere mm-hmm. every time she's great and then of course textually that fight scene with Spike is great mm-hmm. catharsis on the heels of the yeah. horrible Parker gaslighty nonsense. You yep. know, is this really what you want right now? And then Spike calls <sighs> Buffy pathetic. It's mm-hmm. just such a great opportunity for her to well and truly kick his ass. And- well, yeah. And it's that whole speech about oh, yeah. um, Parker and about Angel. Right. You know, he brings that up. He knows what her vulnerable spot is and absolutely hits it with a bullseye, you know. Um, yeah, it's it's really great. And Spike is so terrible in that moment. But he knows. He knows Buffy. He knows exactly what's going to get her. Um, and it's great when she just completely beats his ass. And then when she's taking off his ring and he's like, if you do it, we both burn. And she's like, well, let's just find out. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she is willing to take that risk in that moment yeah. because, hell no. <laughs> yeah, she can move away. She might get singed, but he's going to burn up, you know. And then, of course, they are not in direct sunlight when they're fighting. So there is that. And there's this very convenient sewer opening that he can just dive down right. into right there. Whatever. Because Spike must live for another day because he's Spike. So that brings us to our favorite part. And usually I ask you, but since I'm talking about Spike and everybody knows what my favorite part is, I'm going to say Spike. <laughs> Even though this isn't our best spike, uh, I love whenever I think about Harsh Light of Day, I never think about like these wonderful stories of the romantic fantasy with these three women and how they interact. I always like, oh, that's the episode Spike comes back. (laughs) (laughs) Now, do you have a favorite spike moment of all of the spike? Oh, God, my favorite Spike moment, I think, is that and it's terrible, but it's that moment where he's talking to Buffy and he's taunting her about her romances and about Angel. And oh, who told me that you weren't worth more than one time? I believe that was Angel. Like the fact that he knows her so, so well that he can just push every button with 
pinpoint accuracy. Um, it's terrible. He's horrible. But I love him so much, Noel. I just love him so much. But mama, I love him. But mama, I love him. All right. So what's your favorite part? Vampire Harmony. Vampire oh, yes. Harmony. I mean, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Calling Spike Blondie Bear. Like, I know. Could she be more like, and I know I've already quoted like all of Harmony's lines because, of course, right. I'm just going to yes. write down all of Harmony's lines. Um, but I so love, I so love when she comes up behind the bike and she says, are you going to kill Willow today? Because I want you to say, <laughs> this is for messing with my sweet girl. And then, you know, and she bites his shoulder and starts making little <laughs> sucking noises. Know, it's, it's so, so funny. It's so perfect. Yeah. Oh, no, she's she's wonderful. I love when she's talking about going to France when he stakes her and she's so upset and she says, fine, if all you want is the ring, just take it. And he takes it and leaves her and she's just like, oh, you know, like he does not he does not care. And yet every time he exhibits the fact that he does not care, she's surprised. (laughs) Harmony is um, not the sharpest bulb in the box yeah (laughs) something like that harmony something like that no she's not but she's wonderful and we of course love her All right, that's it for today. To join in the discussion on Twitter, follow me at Lonnie Dimerich and Noel at Noel Aloud and use the hashtag stillpretty. Or you can keep Chipperish Media going to the tune of a dollar a month or more and gain access to the live chat in Discord where you can hang out with me and Lonnie and all the Chipperish patrons who are your friends and would call you repulsive in a second. You can also show your support by giving Still Pretty a great review on Apple Podcasts or by telling your friends about the show or by making Antonio Banderas a vampire. We will be back next time with Fear Itself, the fourth episode of season four. Until then, frankly, it's ludicrous to have these interlocking bodies and not interlocked.